Today we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and just, uh, we're not in our series through John this morning, obviously, um, but just completing the missions conference, uh, the Lord just laid on my heart to go back to this text. Really, I considered this text uh, my life verses. There's uh, a lot of people have maybe a life verse or something that they remember, and this is just a text that God has used in my life over and over and over again, and just as we're preparing to press on and preparing to serve the Lord, we're, we've had the missions conference, it's over. But now, as I said on Monday, Wednesday night, now the real work begins. Uh, now it is continuing to serve the Lord. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, Paul is writing. Just a little bit of background. This is Paul is in the Mamertine dungeon at this point. He is awaiting... Uh, the, the trial has already happened. The verdict has already been you are going to die because you are a Christian. He is simply awaiting death at this point uh, for the cause of Christ. And he's writing to Timothy, who was his son in the faith, someone he had trained to serve the Lord, who was now pastoring one of the churches that Paul had started. And Paul's writing to encourage this young man. He's sitting in a prison cell, not with TV and that. He's sitting in an underground, dank, dark, every squalor condition possible prison cell. And he's writing to this young preacher, man. And he's not going, oh, whoa, it's me. This is so terrible. No, look what he says. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Paul's writing to Timothy. He uses three illustrations. In verse number four, he uses the illustration of a soldier. Verse number five, he uses the illustration of an athlete. Verse number six, he uses the illustration of a farmer. And he's doing this. He's encouraging Timothy. Here's the title this morning. Fight on. Keep going. Remain a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and I just pray that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would help us this morning from your word. I pray for grace, Lord. I pray that you would point us to you, Lord, that you'd give us the courage and the ability to press forward in serving you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It has been said by many people, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter as much how you start as how you finish. How, how, you, how you start does not matter as much as how you finish. How many have heard someone say something like that? Maybe said something, oh, the, the, the classic Aesop's fable, I believe it is, is the tortoise and the hare. Um, 
It doesn't matter. It, it matters how you start. Yes, that has uh, great implications for how you end up. But what matters more is how you finish. Okay, we, we would all um, have areas, okay, you start a construction project. Sometimes you, or you start something in your life, you, you want to start a new habit, you want to get something going, and it's, uh, sometimes it can be very easy to be um, motivated and excited about something, because there's something new, it's something uh, ready to go, some, I've been challenged in this way, and I, I'm excited about this, and uh, then as time goes on, your excitement and your motivation begins to wane, and as the obstacles begin to mount, suddenly it, it's, it's not as exciting. It's not as new anymore. Uh, but if you're going to complete a task, if you're going to complete a goal, you're going to need to finish. And it's going to take more than just motivation. Okay, motivation's emotions. Emotions only last for so long. They help, but they only last for so long. Um, there, there's going to be some excitement. There's going to be some uh, realization that this does need to happen. That's all good and well. But you have to, it, there's going to come a point in time where you're going to say, I'm either going to do this or I'm, gonna, or I'm not. Okay, they tell couples when they get married. You know, the honeymoon stage is going gonna, is gonna to come to an end at a point, right? You're going to find out that the other person really does smell, and you're going to find out the other person uh, maybe, not do, maybe doesn't do things exactly the way you thought. And, okay, and there's going to come a point when all the fuzzies eventually go away, and am I going to choose to love this person, or am I going to choose to not? Because love is not just an emotion, it's a choice, okay? And, and there's times when uh, serving God is exciting, can I tell you what, the, if you were not able to attend the missions conference, we have the services recorded. Please go back and, and listen to some of those that are available on our website or on the podcast stream that we have as well. Uh, you can listen to the preaching. Um, it was encouraging. It was exciting. It was what we needed. It was challenging. Uh, but there's going to come a point. If the Lord, um, by the way, the Lord is leading you to participate in missions, and the Lord is leading you to, to do that, I can tell you that based on the Word of God. But there's going to come a point when the, the excitement is not going to match the bills that are coming in. And there's going to come a point when uh, the thinking about the world missions is not going to... Um, make as much sense as Christmas is coming and uh, all right and there's going to be a, a there's going to come a point in time where you're going to have to make a decision am I going to endure hardness and I am I going to remain a good soldier a am I going to finish what God has called me to do or am I going to become a casualty am I going to Am I going to go AWOL? Because, as we've said before many times, if you're saved, you've been enlisted. Uh, you're a soldier of Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you are a soldier of Jesus Christ whether you want to be or not. He is your master. He is your commander. And you can either uh, get on board and you can take your place in the ranks that God has. You can serve God at His commands or you can be a deserter. You can, you can be a troublemaker. Uh, and uh, being a troublemaker with God it, it, um, is not pleasant. 
God knows how to get a hold of your heart. God knows how uh, you can't not serve God and be, and be um, where you want to be. Uh, God's not going to bless you not serving Him, all right? Uh, but there does come a point where you're going to have to decide, am I going to endure hardness? Am I going to press on? Am I going to keep going? Or I'm going to quit. And it's not just a desire. I, don't, I, I graduated Bible college a number of years ago, and there's, I, can, I can look back at people I graduated, people I went to school with, and uh, when we were standing there on graduation night, every one of us, as uh, Brother Sam Davison, the president of the school at the time, read through the doctrinal statement of the, of the college, and after every statement, there was a resounding, Amen, this is what we believe. Amen, this is what we believe. And now, uh, not even ten years later, I can look back and there's people who have already stepped back. And that night, I can promise you, they would have said, not me. That, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to be one of the ones that stands. I'm going to be the one that continues. And yet, now 5, 10, 15 years down the road, they're not serving the Lord anymore. Some of them are not even in church. Some of them are not even anywhere living a lifestyle anywhere near close to godly. And I go, what happened? They didn't endure hardness. They didn't remain a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay, just like God has given us a tremendous responsibility in this text, if we're going to understand, we've got, we got to understand the context, we've got to understand what's going on here. Paul is reminding Timothy that God had given him a tremendous responsibility in very dark times. All right, very quickly. Timothy had been left by Paul to pastor the church at Ephesus. All right, uh, the church at Ephesus, it was a very large city. It was a larger church that was there, but there was already winds of doctrine that were swirling. There was troublesome uh, false prophets that were coming in trying to pull people away. And Paul had sent Timothy to that church. Timothy, I know you're young. I know you're a little bit timid. You maybe don't have the experience that I have, but I believe God has called you to this church and you need to go here and God has placed you here to establish some things and to teach some things and to keep some things in order. And uh, verse number 2 really dictates the, the, the responsibility that Paul had left and God had left to Timothy. Paul had been personally trained by Jesus Christ. Okay? He says there, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Paul was an apostle. By the way, there are no more apostles today. An apostle has to be one who has physically seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. Someone who claims to be an apostle, that's not the only thing they're lying about. Just, just saying, okay? Uh, you have not personally seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul was the last one, and he would say, I, as, as one born out of due time, I, I, didn't even, I wasn't one of the original disciples there, but I, I did see the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus, and uh, he was privileged in that, and was called by Paul, and he had been personally trained by Jesus Christ, and Timothy had been saved under his ministry there at the town of, of uh, Derby, uh, Lystra there, and he had grown up in the church that Paul had started, and Paul had taken him on some of his missionary journeys as they'd gone and started other churches. Timothy had been one who had traveled along alongside Paul and had ministered there and learned ministry and he had trained him. Paul had taught Timothy as Jesus had commanded all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He said, I've taught you the truth. What, Paul, what Timothy had been taught was not just some preferences of Paul. 
It was not just some, these are some nice ideas. Paul had taught him the living Word of God. The Word of God had brought faith to the life of Timothy. And he had been preached by Paul, by the other apostles, by Jesus Christ himself. And Timothy had seen lives changed. He had seen his own life changed by that gospel. It was as the as Paul had already written in Second Timothy chapter 1, he told him, hold fast the form of sound words that thou hast heard of me. That there, uh, which means there are words that are sound, there's words that are biblical, and there is teachings that are not. And he was telling Timothy, hold fast, hold on to what I've taught you. But Timothy wasn't supposed to just hold on to what he had been taught by Paul. Timothy's responsibility, Timothy's obligation, his mission, if we're going to use that term, given to him by God, was, what does it say there? The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. All right, everybody see what Timothy's responsibility was here, right? Paul said, I've taught you, I've trained you in the right way. You hold on to that, but you're to take the same thing that I've taught you, and you're to pass that on to the next generation and to the following generation. And by the way, the reason that Community Baptist Church is here today is because Timothy did pass it on to the next generation. And the next generation passed it on. And the next generation passed it on. And God continued to preserve His Word. And He continued to um, um, hold up His church. And He continued uh, to establish His church. And the gates of hell did not prevail against Jesus' church. It, uh, that we are in, uh, we can't prove the line, but we're teaching the same truths that Timothy taught. And it's been said this way, if you rattle the chain at this end, and, it sh and uh, you hear it at this end, it's connected. And so we're following the same truths here. Paul, Timothy was in changing times, but the changing times didn't change his orders. He didn't need new doctrine. He didn't need a new approach to be more popular. The, the trials that the next generation would face, the Roman persecution, this was just starting. Paul would be beheaded here in the next couple months. But within the coming years, the Roman emperors and Nero and the other ones would literally take Christians and feed them to the lions for public entertainment. They would, and then to light the circus so people could see the Christians being eaten, they would take Christians and dip them in tar, and then they would crucify them and light them on fire to illuminate so people could see what was going on. And Paul didn't tell Tim, Paul didn't know everything that was coming, but he knew the persecution was ramping up and he knew that uh, troubles was coming, and Paul didn't tell Timothy, build yourself a bunker and hide. Paul didn't tell Timothy, uh, we need to reevaluate how things are going here. Uh, things aren't going the way. No, he said, the same that I've committed to you, you need to teach to others. Our, our orders haven't changed. The same truths still work in people's lives. The same truths that turned the world upside down in Paul's day are the same truths that can work and change lives here on the North Fork and here on Long Island and all over the world. Our Bible is more current than tomorrow's headlines. We don't need something new. By the way, the new things of the world are just recycled. Just like the fashions. We've got one thing that is eternal. One thing that's unchanging. It's the Word of God. And Timothy's responsibility was to pass that on to the next generation. And it wasn't passing on necessarily 
just Paul's personality. It was passing on the Word of God because it's the Word of God that changes lives. It's the Word of God that brings knowledge of salvation. It's the Word of God that tells you um, how to follow and serve Jesus Christ. That was his responsibility, but he lived in very dark times. Okay, and we do not have time to go through the whole book of 2 Timothy this morning. We'd get out tomorrow about this time. Part of what made it so dark was there were others who had walked with Paul who were compromising and were quitting. At the end of 2 Timothy, Paul's going to write, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. We don't know much about Demas, but we do know this. He had helped write some of the other letters for Paul. He had traveled with Paul. He had traveled with Timothy. He had been one of the servants of Paul. He had been on the ministry team there. He had been a a preacher in training along with them. And yet, there had come a time as persecution had ramped up. He loved this present world. He loved the things of this world. And so he stepped back. And there were others who were resting difficult questions and there was the false teachers who were asking all these trick questions and they'd gotten caught up in that and they'd tried to start figuring things out that God's Word didn't give the answer to and they'd gotten all twisted up in their minds and now they were preaching against the very things that had saved their soul. They were preaching against the very things that Paul had trained them in. There was growing persecution. The price for serving Christ was getting ever higher. Okay, so Timothy has this responsibility. Amen? Everybody in agreement. We're seeing the darkness grow. By the way, what was happening in Paul's days is happening in our day. Praise the Lord, it's not as bad as it was in Paul's days yet. They're not feeding Christians to the lions. Seriously. Before we get all... um, Yes, we should weep over our country and we should pray for the sins of our country. But before we get all pity party, woe is me. It's we just can't serve the Lord today. It's just too hard. Let's let's remember that we haven't been called to pay the price with our life yet. It may come to that point. But as God told Jeremiah, if you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, what's going to happen when the horsemen come? If you can't be faithful in the little things, what's going to happen when the big things come? But despite the growing difficulties, despite the incredible responsibility, God is calling Timothy here, fight on. God is calling Timothy, press on. Don't give up. You keep doing the very things that Paul's been doing. You keep doing the very things that God has called you to do. By the way, the work of God is is even more important when the times get darker. The light shines brighter. Uh, we uh, We don't join the darkness. We stand out and shine. As a pastor, I have the same charge, the same mission that Timothy had. What is my responsibility? To take the Word of God and teach it to others. So they can teach it to others. My responsibility is for you is to help you know the word of God to the point that you can lead someone else to the Lord. My responsibility as pastor is to teach you the word of God to the point that you can say, no, have, that, no, that's not the direction I'm going to go. Yes, that's the direction I'm going to go. Uh, this is biblical wisdom and it's, it's not from me, but it's from the word of God. I'm going to take what I've been taught. I don't need to change it. I don't need to alter it. I just need to pass it down faithfully to the next generation. 
But we each have a part in the mission of God. How is all the world going to hear? That's part of our responsibility as a church, is to pass on the Word of God. We're to evangelize those in our area. We are to um, send missionaries to areas that we don't reach. And I'm very thankful that we can send some missionaries because I don't speak English very well, let alone another language. Um, but we can send a missionary over there who can speak that language. And uh, Brother Sam Thomas, who's in India, he is an Indian. And he grew up there and he knows the culture and he knows the language. And he can minister in ways that I never could. And I can't reach there, but we can support him financially and we can support others uh, and more missionaries so that we can fulfill uh, the mission that God has called us to. Okay, but Paul wasn't trying to just encourage Timothy to just keep trying harder. Okay, do you see that in this text? Try harder, Timothy. Grit your teeth. I mean, there, we do see this endure hardness. Be strong. Rather, Paul is teaching Timothy the realities of serving God. If you're going to keep serving God, you need to rely on God's grace... And you need to endure hardness. He says, be verse number one, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay? Spiritual strength that will sustain you in the battle only comes from God's abounding, sufficient grace. That's why the Bible says, Paul would write, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Same word there, the idea of be strong, strengtheneth, to gird up, to enforce, to reinforce there. Okay, the ability to complete the mission and the task that God has us, the ability to give uh, to faith promise missions for 52 weeks, the, the ability to witness to those around us and invite them for the family and friends day, the ability to be faithful to church and to grow does not come from our fortitude or from our determination. We need that. Uh, we need some people in our society to just get some guts, um, some intestinal fortitude. We need that, but it will only take you so far. Rather, strength to serve God comes from relying on God. Strength to serve God comes from relying on God. By the way, Paul knew something about grace. Someone who endured beating after beating after beating, and yet he continued to preach the word of God. A person who had preached the word of God and saw souls get saved at that church. And then a false teacher came in and the very people he led to the Lord turned their backs on Paul. And he still loved them and he kept going. You know what enabled him? Grace. It was not that he was bigger. It was not that he was just a bigger person. It was that he was relying on the grace and the power of God. The grace of God is a resource for the Christian that will never run out if we stay humble and seek God, God resisteth the proud, but He giveth grace unto the humble. He giveth more grace. There are many stories throughout military history where men ran out of ammunition, where men ran out of supplies and were forced to surrender. Read the story of Corregidor during World War II in the Philippines, where uh, the American forces were basically left out to dry by FDR. Not a single supply ship got there, and they were surrounded by the Japanese, and they were out of ammunition, they were out of medical supplies, and they were forced to surrender, and then started the Bataan Death March. 
And how, if you know the story of American history, that needs to be told. Uh, uh, of the bravery of that. But what happened? They did not have the supplies. They did not have the reinforcements that they needed. For the Christian, the only reason we do not have the grace that we need is because we're not seeking God for it. Because there's never a point in time, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Read Romans chapter 8. Uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And nothing can, nothing can cut us off from the grace of God but our own pride. If we humble ourselves and seek God, he says, he giveth more grace. There is an ex inexhaustible supply of God's grace, the ability to serve God, the desire to serve God, that God wants to give to us if we'll simply rely on him. And Paul's reminding Timothy, hey, trust God. Hold on to God. Rely on God's strength. It doesn't run out. It will always sustain you. But then he said in verse number 3, not only do you need to rely on God's grace, you need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To be a good soldier means you're going to encounter some hardness. To endure hardness is it's the both English words there is one Greek word. It means to suffer physical pain, hardship, distress. And to continue doing what you should even though you are suffering. Okay, the word has the idea. Showing endurance through suffering. Endure hardness. But the hardness is what comes from being a soldier. Okay? It is what we would call an occupational hazard. There's an expectation for a soldier that he's going to be wet. He's going to be miserable. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be cold. But he's the soldier on. Right? What does that term for? Hey, it comes with the territory. It may not be the way you like it, but if you're going to be a soldier, that's what you're going to go through. It's occupational hazard. It just comes with the territory. And to serve God in this wicked world means you're going to be living in opposition to this world. And if you're living in opposition to this world, it's an occupational hazard. It's part of the territory uh, that this world is not going to be friendly to us. Uh, that it's not going to be the, always the way that we want to. Uh, serving God in this world is going to bring hardships. It's going to bring trials. It's going to be painful. An occupational hazard of going door knocking is having people get upset with you. It, it comes with the territory. I was knocking doors a few weeks ago. I had someone call the church number, and they just went off about how they were a good Christian, but I upset his dog by knocking on doors, and so he promptly threw all of uh, threw the Word of God. We give out John and Romans, threw it away where it belonged, and just began going on and on. Did I enjoy that? No. But you know what I had to realize? It's an occupational hazard. Am I going to let that stop me from going to someone else's door who might actually listen to the Word of God? By God's grace, no. I need to endure hardness. An occupational hazard of promising to God to give to missions is knowing that there's going to be extra bills that are going to come in. There's going to be problems that are going to happen. They say, Lord, I need to endure hardness. 
I need to do what you've called me to do. Trying to read your Bible and have a personal devotion time with the Lord. It's not that complicated, but it means you're going to have to have less sleep. You can't sleep while you're reading your Bible. It just doesn't work that way. Trying to raise your kids means discipline and problems and patience. But if you want to raise your kids God's way, it's what it's going to take. Trying to pastor God's way means sometimes people are going to leave the church. It means sometimes people are going to get upset. But it's an occupational hazard. We're not doing ministry because it's easy, but because those are the orders we have received. It's, uh, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's not that you volunteered, you've been voluntold, okay? That's how I volunteered as a little boy. I got voluntold. And, but if my dad said something, that was what I needed to do. And if your Father in heaven says something, that's what we need to do. We're not to, um, it's not that, oh, okay, this sounds like a good idea. No, God has commanded us to do that. We don't have a choice. And if we're going to be obedient to God... We're going to have to fight on. When I first uh, became an assistant pastor, and then as I moved out here as a pastor, my dad more than once told me, as they called him up, this, this is what's going on. He goes, ministry means problems. And people problems. And it's going to hurt. And if it doesn't hurt, something is wrong. If it doesn't tear you up that someone walks away from God and walks away from church, there's something wrong in you, son. If, if it doesn't tear you up that uh, people are rejecting the Word of God, there's something wrong with you. But, he also, but then he quickly trans, uh, uh, transitioned to this. If you let it stop you, there's something a whole lot worse wrong with you. If, if, you, if you let it stop you, if you let the hurt keep you from doing what God has commanded you to do, there's something a whole lot worse wrong with you. Can I tell you this? Get ready. We're trying to serve the Lord. We're trying to press forward in the work of God. We're going to encounter some opposition. There's going to be hardness that's going to come. The commitment is for 52 weeks or 12 months, however the Lord has laid it on your heart to give. There's going to be some hardness. Okay? How could Timothy remain a good soldier? There's hardness. Paul here is going to give Timothy three keys. Three different illustrations, each with a different uh, focus. Because the answers that Timothy needed then are the same answers that we needed today. Uh, this is God's Word telling us if you want to remain a good soldier, if you want to keep serving God, this is what you need to remember. Number one. Verse number four. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier, chosen him to be a soldier. If you're going to remain a good soldier, you must seek to please your commander by giving him your complete dedication. Okay, the biblical principle is clear. You, no man can serve two masters. Come on. 
No man can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, you're going to despise the one or, and, and uh, hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And there's many res- physical responsibilities that we have that, that pull us in many directions. You have a job. You have a family that you need to care for. You've got uh, financial responsibilities. You've got uh, societal responsibilities. You've got this. You've got that going on. But we can only have one master. We can only have one master. His brother uh, Randolph preached that God must be the Lord of our life. We must allow Him to make the decisions in all areas of our life. We're to present our body as a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12 tells us. You are either denying self and serving God, or you're saying yes to self and no to God. You're either saying no to self and yes to God, or you're saying no to God and yes to self. Uh, we, you say, that's oversimplistic. It helps us. Helps me anyways. Okay? Because what, why does he warn him? You need to seek to please just the Lord. Remember who's called you to be a soldier. Remember who shed his, who, that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for you, that you are not your own, that you are bought with a price. Remember the one you've been called to please, because when we don't seek to please God alone, we get tangled up. The, the affairs of this life entangle us. It, the word entangle there means to be involved in, act, in an activity to the point of interference with other activities or objectives. You've ever seen someone entangled while they're driving? They're trying to text and drive at the same time? And it's greatly interfering with their ability to drive safely and endangering the life of my family. Those who seek to please themselves will be of no use to their commander. It's too early in the morning. Can I get some more rest? Am I going to please self? Or am I going to please God? It doesn't mean you have to get up at 4.30 in the morning, please. But if there's a time that you said, this is the time I've set aside to read my Bible, are you going to please God? Or are you going to please self? I know I promised to give to missions, but I just really need this right now. God, self. I know I should witness to that person, but they might get mad at me. It might be embarrassing. God or self. I know I should serve God in this area. I know I should get baptized. I know I should join the church. I know I should go on visitation, but I'm not really comfortable with that. God or self. I know this isn't the best form of entertainment or this friend is not godly, but they're so fun to be around. God or self. See, those who seek to please themselves, those who seek to please those around them, will compromise the orders they've been given. You're going to become entangled. As a pastor, I must seek to please God first. I must, uh, if, if I begin to allow what others want or to make um, exceptions to the Word of God to appease someone, who am I trying to please? Am I pleasing God or am I pleasing others? You could try to please your friends by not talking about God or by joining in their uh, sinful behavior. You could try to fit in better at your work instead of letting your light shine. But are you pleasing your master or are you pleasing yourself? See, a failure to put God first is going to entangle you in so many important things. We must seek to please God 
first in everything. That's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. See, what is faith? It is obeying God. It is believing God's word to the point of obedience. This is what real faith looks like. It's, uh, yes, it doesn't make sense. Yes, it may not be the easy decision here, but it's what God has called me to do, and so I'm going to obey it whether or not it's easy. I must seek to please Him. That's what Jesus did. God the Father said from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because He always did the will of the Father. He sought to please and did what His Father had commanded Him. One of the main reasons why pastors fail, that Christians stop serving God, is they stop living to please God alone. They let something else get their attention. They let something else become more important. And it's only a matter of time before it, like, a, like the vines that grow all, all over the place, just wrap themselves around and strangle your ability to serve God. Paul's telling Timothy, if you're going to endure hardness, you must seek to please Him first. Then he switches to the illustration, verse number 5, of an athlete. And if any man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. To remain a good soldier, Timothy, you can't take shortcuts. You can't alter the rules. You got to stay with the path that God has given you. How many know the name Alex Rodriguez or Roger Clemens? But Barry Bonds, uh, McGuire, what is that synonymous with? Cheater. Steroids, Lance, Lance Armstrong, okay, with the, uh, the biking, all that. What happened? He, he's like, I, can do, I, I can achieve the results I want if I just cheat a little bit. I can, I, I can get what I want. In our culture, the philosophy is quickly becoming, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. I've heard that said. If you aren't cheating, you aren't trying, sometimes in a joking manner, but um, so long as you get away with it, it, if you get the results you want, it's good. The end justifies the means. That type of thinking will destroy your ability to remain faithful to God because results have never been the indicator of what is right or wrong. See, God has given us His Word. He's given us 66 books to tell us, this is what I want. This is, this, is the way, this is the way that you need to walk in it. This is the way I've commanded you. And yet we live in a society, well, it would be so much easier if we just did this. Or it would just be so much easier if we just kind of didn't preach on that part. And we just kind of did what we want over here. God in His Word, and we don't have time. Read the story in Leviticus chapter 10 of Nadab and Abihu. They worshiped God their own way with strange fire. And fire came out from the, before the Lord and devoured them. How about um, David and the ark? And we're going to get there on Wednesday nights here in just a couple weeks. The, the first time he tried to move the ark, he used it the Philistine way and used a cart. And one of the men who was trying to help David, the ark began to rock because it was meant to be carried on the shoulders. And he touched the ark and God killed him. Why? Because God is very serious about us doing it his way. Satan always offers you a shortcut. He always offers you a shortcut. You could do it this way, and, and there's an easier way, and it's easier to deal with emotions and behavior than to deal with the heart. 
Let's just change the surface. Let's deal with the surface. So long as everybody's okay, we're good. No, we, God is interested in changing your heart. Hey, we could pack this building out. I promise you. We could pack this building out. All we'd have to do is give away free beer. We, we could pack this building out. But that's not a church. Okay, that's not a church. That's not God's uh, way of doing things. Results. Oh, we got, I could tell people, oh, we had this many people in the services this morning. God, the word here says, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. It doesn't count. There's the stories of the fishermen, right, who stuffed their fish with the weights in the belly so that they could, it didn't count. They lost everything. Uh, because they were changing the rules. They were making it this way. There's no crown for compromisers. You know what effect, You know what keeps Christians from serving the Lord? They stop following God's rules. They try to take a shortcut. Cut corners. I, I don't have to be faithful every day to my Bible reading. I don't have to. Wait a second. You're not going to be crowned. By the way, in heaven, we're going to receive rewards. And it's going, to be, it's going to be very telling those who actually get rewards in heaven. Because there may be somebody we look at and say, wow, look at everything they did. And they may receive great rewards because they were really serving the Lord. But if that person was taking shortcuts and that person was taking, uh, doing it their way, God's going to say, I can't bless that. That wasn't about me. That wasn't for my glory. That was for your glory. I can't receive uh, praise from that, and you can't receive rewards for that. Lastly, though, verse number 6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Huh? Well, a husbandman was a, vineyard, was a vine dresser, was a farmer who worked the vineyards. To remain a good soldier, number three, you must remember that today's labors produce a future harvest. We don't get the harvest today. But when we put the labor and we put the toil in, the harvest will come. It's promised to us. That's Brother Randolph mentioned this multiple times. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season... We shall reap if we faint not. There are many seasons to life in serving God. Right? There, there's many seasons to life and to serving God. And much of serving God and much of walking with God is boring. Could be monotonous. Could be toilsome. The idea of toil or, or labor there is to exert oneself mentally, physically, spiritually, to work till you get blisters. Okay, that, that's the idea there. One man pointed this out. Unlike the soldier and the athlete, the farmer's life is totally devoid of excitement. Remote from all the glamour of peril or the applause of the stadium, it's getting up the morning and plowing the field. And it's getting up and 
fertilizing the field, and it's getting up and replowing the field, and then it's getting up and planting the field, and all of this takes time and time and time, and then it's uh, ir um, irrigating the field and uh, checking for weeds and uh, pet putting the pesticides or the different things on that are necessary, and it's time and it's time as you're waiting for that harvest to grow, and there is, there's toil that is there, and it's daily labor, and there's going to be times where you're struggling with your Bible reading. And there's going to be times where it just seems, I, is, is Wednesday again already? I'm supposed to be in church? And a Sunday, there can be times as, as exciting as preaching is and as rewarding as preaching is. It's been said this way, for a preacher, there's three days of the week, Sunday, Wednesday, and Sunday. It just, it just keeps coming. And, and you study and you study and you preach the one sermon and then guess what? Sunday's coming to preach the next sermon. Then Wednesday's coming to preach the next sermon. And, and you, you keep studying and you say, I, I'm sowing the seed. I'm going out door knocking and I'm putting out door hangers and I'm doing this. Is anything happening? I'm reading my Bible and I'm showing up to church, but I, I don't seem to be growing as fast as I would like to be. And it doesn't seem to happen. And we have to understand this. There's seasons. There's the seasons of planting. There's the seasons of, of, of working the soil and working the ground. But then, to praise God, there is the seasons of reward. And there is the season when the harvest comes in. And then you get back to planting. And you get back to it, okay? And you do it year after year after year after year. I was doing the word study on the word wearied there and toil. The Bible says Jesus was wearied on his journey at Jacob's well. I remember that John chapter 4 as he arrived there at the well and he was wearied in his journey and he sat down but then the woman came out and he began to share God's truth with her and she got saved and then the harvest came in. Why? Because he endured as a good soldier of Jesus, as Jesus Christ. He, he didn't allow the weariness and toil to stop him from doing the will of the Father. He kept pressing on and he kept doing it because he knew this, the harvest is coming. And it said there, it says there must be first partakers of the fruits. That's a promise. That's an abiding principle. It is, it is necessary that the person who's working the field, they get to see the first buds come in. They get to see the ripening of the fruit. And that person who's put that labor in and put that work in, they're going to be the one who gets to take the first bite. They're going to be the one who gets to rejoice in that. Can I tell you, it's easy to get discouraged when it feels like nothing is happening. When, there's, when, when your labor has been worthless, and by the way, that's what Satan's going to whisper in your ear. You've been showing up to church and God's not blessing you. You're trying to witness to that person and they got mad at you. Um, you, you tried to make some good decisions and your friend didn't like it. And you're trying to do it. No, no, no. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. When we do the will of God and we obey by faith, it isn't instantaneous that the blessings come. It isn't instantaneous that God works. And especially in new Christians, what can happen sometimes, they've sowed um, years and years to the flesh. And there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of turmoil in their life and they get saved and it's so exciting and so refreshing. But the harvest of everything they've sowed is still coming in. And they're saying, but I'm serving God now. I'm trying to do what's right. 
And they're wading through some of the stuff that's happened and you have to encourage them. No, no, no. Keep serving God. The harvest is coming. If you keep serving God, the reward is coming. But it's not now. There's seasons to it. You know what can be really discouraging to a Christian or to a pastor? Is when they start counting the time till the harvest comes. We put out this many door hangers. We put out this. Okay. Come on. When is it going to happen? Wait a second. Patience. It's God that brings the harvest in. We have the promise that if we labor, if we toil, if we put by God's relying on His grace, we just keep doing what God has commanded us to do today. And we keep witnessing and we keep serving God and we keep giving to missions and we keep tithing and we keep going forward for the Lord and we keep surrendering more and more areas of our life. God promises the harvest will come in. We don't know when. But there are seasons. We need to fight on. But you've got to seek to please your master. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't put God first. You've got to follow the path that God has laid down. We don't get to alter it. We don't get to adapt it. It's his church. It's his word. It's his salvation. It's, it's his heaven. It, it, it's his work. It's his mission. We've got to stay in the rules that God has given us. We gotta wait for the harvest. Leave it in God's hands. See, you can only complete your mission by dedicating, by dedicating yourself to pleasing God and to patiently following His Word. Please God and patiently follow His Word. And you know what's gonna happen? It doesn't mean every day is gonna be just upward and upward. But if we do that, we're going to get together at the next missions conference and we're going to be going, look what God did. We're going to get together at Family and Friends Days and at the coming up Christmas con uh, community Christmas event and we're going to look at the visitors that came and we're going to say, look what God did. And we're going to look at people who come in and we're going to be able to hear the stories of those that get changed by the word of God and we're going to say, look what God did. Look what God did in my life. He can do it in your life. Dedicate yourself to pleasing God and to patiently following his word. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for who you are and we thank you for the privilege of serving you and I just pray, Lord, as we embark on this new event, Lord, with the missions conference and as we just try to keep continuing doing what you've called us to do, pray, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that we would be able to rejoice in what you've done. I pray, Lord, that you would keep us faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll take a moment as the piano begins to play. Maybe you need to come forward down to the altar and just say, Lord, 
I'm struggling with this. Would you help me? Maybe you need to pray there at your seat. But let's do some business with the Lord this morning. He's able. He's willing. But will we be faithful?